Hi, it's Taylor. Quickly jumping in before the episode starts to let you know that we've changed our name and are now Sisters Assemble. You can find our updated social handles in the show notes. Enjoy the show! Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Let's Talk Marvel Fan Theories podcast. I'm Taylor. And I'm Katie, and we're two sisters and borderline obsessed Marvel fans who have been following the Marvel Cinematic Universe closely for years. And now we want to share our MCU discussions with you. We chat about our own predictions and theories, plus some of our favorites from online, and our reactions to all of the Marvel content that's considered MCU canon, including the Disney Plus shows and the movies, as well as the Marvel news you need to know. Well, listeners... I say this every week, but we have quite the episode for you today. And even though I say it every week, this week really is special because I watched the episode of She-Hulk, episode 8, this morning, and it pretty much made me hype for the entirety of the rest of my day. It just started my day off on such a good note. And then this afternoon, I get a text from Katie, and she's like, dude, this episode. So I think we're on the same page But to kick it off, Katie, tell me what you thought about She-Hulk Episode 8. Well, I'm actually just going to quote you from something we literally just said right before we started recording, which was, this might have been one of the best, if not the best, Marvel episode, like TV show episode. I, it just had me from the get-go, and it just took hold of me and pretty much was just like, you're along for the entire ride, come on. We're not stopping. We're hitting the throttle and we're going to go 100 on the highway the entire time. And I just was like, okay, that's fine. I like, I'm committed to this. And honestly, I just like most of my notes is in all caps. Like, that's how you know I was excited because as I'm watching it, it's like caps, 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 because I just was like, I'm so like, I don't even know if I can articulate and put into words how I genuinely felt about this episode. Yeah, I mean, just to get some of it out of the way, I knew I was going to be excited coming into this episode when they released, I think it was yesterday, the scene of She-Hulk and Daredevil fighting. So I immediately came in with really high expectations. Now, here's what we've learned with Marvel and high expectations. Sometimes... They really knock it out of the park, a la No Way Home. And sometimes you walk into a movie or a TV show, and you walk out and you think, M-O-M. That was my example exactly. You walk out and you think, oh man, what a missed opportunity, right? This one was beat for beat perfect. It was funny. It had two characters interacting that we've never seen before, but in the comics, canonically, are interacting all the time. Or I don't want to say all the time, but they definitely have, you know, at least a relationship. Whether or not that's romantic in the comics, I really couldn't tell you, but it was today and I was here for it. So I loved their interactions. I know a lot of people are going to talk about Leapfrog. To me, that was just like, he was funny, but like, whatever. But I loved Luke. I loved the whole storyline. The ending blew my mind. So it was funny, but it also was like really intense at the end. And I know we're going to get to that in much deeper detail, but... Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Yeah, and like you said, we're going to get into it into much deeper detail, but before we do that, I have one concern that I do want to share, and I think I shared this a little bit last week, and I feel like maybe I'm getting confirmation about it, and I'm sad if it's true. But so far, I will say every episode that has had another MCU character in it for She-Hulk to interact with have been better, in my opinion, than the ones who have lacked that, which would be the middle three. I'm not saying that as to her character, because I think she just as much makes those interactions herself. Like, I think it's a very interesting dynamic regardless. But I say this to say, I just feel like, and I I don't want it to be true, but I do just feel like every episode she's been interacting with another Marvel character has been better in my opinion, than the ones where she wasn't. Yeah, you know, I think that's fair. I think I also have really enjoyed the episodes where she's interacting. I think she is, in the comics, such an integral character. You know, she interacts with so many people, both as Jennifer, as in a lawyer sense, and as She-Hulk. And so I think that taking her away and almost putting her in isolation takes away kind of the essence of the character, who is such, you know, so much at the center. So I think to your point, like she's almost more her 
when she is interacting with another character. I think my one concern from this episode, and I know I said it was perfect, but there's one thing. And it's not about this episode. It's about, like, if you're looking at the arc as a whole of the series, there are 30 to 35 minutes left in this show. And we are just starting to get to the real root of what Jen is going to be facing. And I know we discussed last week about how if it is the leader who is behind the intelligentsia, that he's not going to be taken down because he's been confirmed to be in a movie. He's the big bad. But it's still, like, I am almost worried that we're going to end up in, like, a Hawkeye-like situation where we're mishmashing, like, too much stuff and trying to fit it all into one episode where it, like, really could have been made into, like, more than one. Not that I'm advocating that every, you know, finale should be two, like so many of the movies we grew up watching that were coming from books. But, you know, I think in some instances, there really does require that extra time, or even if it's an extra 10 or 15 minutes, to really, like, properly conclude the story. And that's where I'm getting a little worried. Well, and maybe we'll have that, for one. But two, honestly, this is going to be an out-of-character moment for me. But I'm not going to worry about it. Because the one thing that I will say is that we have stressed about this in every single series. I think the exception is maybe WandaVision, but then again, we didn't cover WandaVision, so I don't have, like, physical proof to tell everybody that we didn't, (laughs) but I'm pretty sure that WandaVision is the only one we didn't have the concern about. Maybe Moon Knight, because we didn't know where Moon Knight was ever gonna go. Like, we were extremely confused. Yeah. But it was, like, a good confused. But pretty much every show that Marvel has put out, we have been like, there's only one or two more episodes left, and I'm kind of worried about how they're going to wrap it all up. And nine times out of ten, they do just fine doing it. Maybe, to my earlier point, maybe it will be a longer episode to wrap it up. And honestly, I think Jen breaking the fourth wall in the process, kind of being like, oh, you're still here. Oh, we're moving. Like, I think that is almost the way of being like, hey, dude, you're fine. Like, calm down. We got this covered. This is going to be aligned perfectly, and this is going to end the way we need it to. Yeah, it's almost like the studio is aware that, like, this is the point where we start to get a little anxious. Yeah. And they're, like, through Jen, like, calming us down. Well, exactly, exactly. And they have that opportunity to really do it with this show, so I think it works. But yeah, so let's put concerns aside, because this was a really awesome episode. Let's get into this. And I'm going to be honest, from the get-go, I don't need to talk about Leapfrog, in the case of who he is or whatever, or the comic origin. No offense, not my main priority. But I do want to talk about Mr. Matthew Murdock. Oh my god, I was so excited when he came. You know how I feel. So I, obviously, we get that little kind of side thing going on with Leapfrog. And then when he talks about, oh, Luke is my guy, that's when I was like, oh, okay, like I started putting it together. And then when the lawyer was late, I was like, okay, that's literally Matthew's thing. Yeah. I was like, well, that's his thing too in the show, like, or in his show, regardless of whatever, how that all shakes out, you know, he's always late to court. And his partner, Foggy, is always like, dude, like, like before he knows like what Matt is, he's like, dude, like literally, where do you go? Like, what, what are you doing? So I thought that was amazing. And then he walks in and I was just like, I lost my mind. I was like, this is amazing. He has his little line. This is like later on in the show where he's just, well, what does he say? I have it written down. I'm just a big fan of legal dramas when he start like when they're having their whole little legal banter. And I was like, what a good callback to like No Way Home. Like his whole just like being there was like perfect from beginning to end. And it was just like so exciting. I mean, when he like flips off that car when she stops it. I know I'm getting ahead of myself. I just want to talk about him for a second. But when he flips off that, or when she, like, splits the floor and he does his little flip, and he was like, my butt's not whooped yet, or whatever he says, I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Their whole banter was just, like, so good. I know, and honestly, I think it's probably, for the case of us covering this, going to be easiest just to tackle all of Matt before we move on to some of the other things. Yeah. Uh, so I I want to do that, and honestly, a lot of my points are about him, but, like... Same. <laughs> You all know that I like to give myself credit when I'm right. And so I'm going to do it. And if you recall, I believe in the predictions episode, I literally was like, I think they'll go against each other in court. And Taylor, who had watched Daredevil, was all like, no, one's like a this lawyer and one's whatever. I don't know. There was like technicalities. And I just was like, 
But it seems too right for two lawyers to show up, like, two lawyer superheroes. Okay, to be fair, I did not take civil court into account. I was thinking about criminal court, in which case they would be on the same side. But, alright, I'll give it to you. But either way, either way. I will say I predicted that from the get-go, that I was totally devoted to the fact that I thought the two of them would meet in court and be against each other. So, loved that. As soon as I saw that, I was like, heck yeah, because you know what? There are not a lot of things I get to be right about, especially from the predictions episode. Yeah, that was early on. Yeah, because I physically, like, haven't seen any of the show, so I'm very excited about that. But I have to skip over a point because it's something that we need to talk about later and it's not related to Matt, so my my points are in order. But I their relationship to Taylor's earlier point to what she was talking about, their banter, everything was top tier to me. I did not think they missed. Yeah, I mean, honestly, the fact that they were sitting there, or not sitting there, but they were, like, fighting these goons. First of all, the fact that they had to define goon versus henchman, I was like, amazing. Second of all, they're out there fighting these goons slash henchmen, talking about legal statutes and how he could defend himself in court. And I was like, they're literally a couple made in heaven. Well, when Jen even breaks the fourth wall, she's like, this guy's really doing it for me. I was like, go, Jen. I know. I was like, yes. Because they are. And, they're, and like, out of anybody in the MCU, quite literally, down to the smallest grain, they probably relate the closest. So I genuinely, like... Obviously, she relates to Bruce because of, well, literally relates, but also because she's a Hulk. But in that level of, like, who down to her core that she is, putting aside being the superhero from the get-go, she relates to Matt. Like, they have that background to each other, and I just, okay, I'm going to give full transparency. So I'm currently watching Legacies. For those of you who don't know, it's, like, the second spinoff based from the, like, Vampire Diaries world. And... Those are, like, feel-good teen shows, you know? Like, you're gonna sit there and you're gonna be like, oh my god, like, oh, they're so cute, like, whatever. But that is how I felt about this show. Like, I'm watching the two of them interact, and I was like, oh my god, oh my god, he's, like, perfect for you, Jen. I know. I cannot remember a time ever, literally ever, in an MCU show or movie where I was like, I shipped this couple so hard. Like, I've never shipped anyone. Like, yeah, I'm like, okay, like, they would be cute together, but I've never, like, actively been like, oh my god, yes. Like, the level of intensity is not there for me, previously. Well, and I think that part of that's the slow burn feeling, because I feel like, I I think maybe the only other, like, MCU couple, because we don't really have a ton of them, would be, in my opinion, like, Wanda and Vision, where we sort of had a slow burn in the sense of, like, they weren't really, like, together until the beginning of Infinity War. They were just sort of, like, hardcore caring for one another. <laughs> like, like, I don't know how else to put it. And I only think of this because Infinity War was just on at the gym, and I got completely distracted and had to walk longer on the treadmill because I was like, Captain America's entrance is coming! So I, like, had to stop everything. But... I, I think they might be the only other one you could maybe argue, but, like, this show, within the 35 minutes we had it, set up the perfect slow burn between the two of them that I just was like, yes, thank you. This is precisely what I needed. Like, everything about it, top tier. Yeah. I actually just thought of one other couple, theoretically, because I was thinking earlier, I was like, this is the first time we've ever seen two characters sleep together. Not true, because I thought of the first example, the real first time, which was Icarus and... Cersei. Cersei. Yes, thank you. I was like, oh man. So I guess, but they also, like, he, they killed each other, sort of. It was bad. Well, (laughs) sorry. I'm laughing because I did see a tweet earlier in which someone pretty much said the conversation between Jen and and Matt did more for them than the... (laughs) Cersei and Icarus sexy (laughs) and that is why I'm laughing because I was like yeah there was like no chemistry and and I remember that being a conversation during when Eternals was out because everybody was like these two actors have been like best friends for years how do they have not an ounce of chemistry like and I remember seeing all of that and it was true and then to that person who tweeted that who I don't remember who it is but to their point, this did more, like, even them, like, interacting. But putting aside some of the interaction as far as, like, interest to one another, first I have to say, 
beautiful daredevil suit. Stunning. Like, I literally have, like, amazing, all these adjectives just lined up in my notes because it was, like, when they just show him and do from the feet up of the his full body suit. I literally, I looked at my phone during that scene, and then I had to rewind my television so I could watch it in its slow-mo full glory. I was yeah. like, there's no way I am not watching this and appreciating every minute. Oh, yeah. I, I was just like, wow. And it wasn't for me, it wasn't like to stare at the man in the suit, but it was to genuinely, and I know for you that was different, and that's okay. I'm just saying it was a little bit of both for me, that's all. Well, and that's okay, that's okay, we all have a preference. And I also, I love the character, and he has such a great first time in his suit in his own show. Like, I literally got chills when they did it in his own show. At one point, they played his theme song mm-hmm. from his show in this show. I, like, almost fell off my couch. I was like, oh, my God, they're playing this song, and I, like, lost my mind. Well, and that's what I, and that's what I mean. Like, I just, that just felt like such a good moment. And th- I, that's coming from somebody who I haven't watched the Daredevil show yet. It's on my list, but I rotate shows a specific way, so it's not yet next. But I even appreciated that. Like, I was sitting there, and I was like, Wow. And then I have to say what really got me because the fight scene was amazing. Oh, I like uh, floored me. Yeah, F- absolutely floored me. And you know what? I am a sucker for P- <laughs> heroes fighting heroes. I'm not gonna lie. Like Civil War was amazing to me for the sole purpose of I do like to see you know different team ups. There's a specific YouTuber I think of as well whose current name is escaping me, but I will add it to the blog if you're interested. He always does, like, versus matches and goes through... He doesn't do the comics. He does the MCU, what we get from the heroes, and does, you know, like, who would win a fight? And the one I just watched was obviously Scarlet Witch um, and Captain Marvel. Uh, Spoiler alert, Scarlet Witch wins, but I feel like that's obvious. Being confirmed by Kevin Feige. Yeah, and that was, like, his selling point at the end. He was like, and then on top of this, Kevin Feige himself pretty much has said she's, like, the most powerful. But regardless, like... So I eat those things up. So watching this was awesome. Loved it. Yeah, it was really great. And I also want to touch on, I mean, you talked about Matt's suit. Can we talk about Jennifer's suit? Because the comic accuracy, like I literally wrote in my notes, what a freaking comic accurate suit. Like it's perfect. Like again, literally color block line for color block line. I was like, what is phase four doing that? phases one through three missed out on because yes there were some good ones but every single one I feel like in phase four has just been so incredibly solid oh my gosh her suit is amazing I thought the CGI looked good too yeah you know I thought she looked fantastic in the suit and the CGI has suffered throughout the series it's had its moments it has it has but I thought this episode in particular she looked absolutely flawless um, I was really enjoying that. And then when you were saying fight scene, I thought you were going to talk about not the fight scene between Jen and Matt, but the fight scene in the hallway in Leapfrog's lair. Really quick, I just want to say that to me, I was like so ready, like literally so many scenes in the Daredevil show are that scene, but they never get old because Matt just like kicks butt and takes names all the time, I was like, I could literally watch him take on all of these goons for the rest of the episode. No hate to She-Hulk. She's great. But I was just, like, so excited to see Matt back in action. I was like, oh my god, yes! Oh, see, I I wanted to get there, of course, because also, like, an important scene. And I love... For me, I like the opposite. I was like, this is awesome watching Matt. Like, I was like, this is really cool. Like, I'm not gonna lie. But then just having Jen, like, crash through the ceiling and take them all out, I was, like, top tier. <laughs> like, nice. <laughs> I know. And then she goes, she Hulk smash. And I was like, yeah, girl. <laughs> I know. But what I really wanted to talk about, besides all the fighting and everything, because truly, like, impeccable. The directing, the writing, everything was so well done. But I want to talk about the fact that she unmasked him. Yeah. And that, now listen, like I said, I'll reiterate, I didn't watch Daredevil and I haven't seen it yet. I will say, give myself a little bit of credit, I do also recall making it very clear that I thought that his identity would come out to her, whether he told her or what. I do know I said that prior to who knows when. I know I said it at one point. Regardless, I was more shocked the way that his identity came out was the fact that she, well, one, beat him in a fight. And I'm not saying she couldn't have. I didn't know who would win, <laughs> if I'm being honest. I, I, you had two, you know, pretty much on-the-ground kind of characters, hand-to-hand combat kind of vibe. So I didn't know who might win. 
but it's the fact that she beat him and then unmasked him. And that is how his identity came out to her. Yeah, that scene, I was actually surprised with how cool he was about it, where he was just like, Jen, 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 Jen. Because, again, and I've I've reiterated this a million times on the show, like, in his show, and I'm just going to say this little caveat because I hinted at it before, there's that whole mess about how they're going to bring it back, they're saying reboot, I don't trust what they're saying because I don't like what they're saying, and also I feel like you can't trust it all the time, you know, how many times have they misdirected us, so I think that's still very much up in the air until I see a trailer. That's not important. All I'm saying is, you know, take what I'm about to say with a grain of salt because that is kind of up in the air. But in his show, he is so concerned about it because, and and what I loved about his argument in the courtroom was that he was speaking from personal experience. That is, is his argument for not telling his friends in his show who he is because he doesn't want his choices and his actions as Daredevil to blow back on the people he loves. It actually causes major rifts with the woman he, you know, has a thing with and, and his best friend. So, you know, that is something that is, like, very ingrained in him. So when he was giving that argument in court, I was, I literally wrote, Matt's arguments are personal. Like, and I underlined personal, like, four times. I was like, you can, like, for, if you're someone who's watched the show, you know. And then for her to unmask him and him to just be like, whoa, Jen, I was like, wait a minute. You should be, like, losing your absolute mind that someone you just met now knows your very protected identity. But to me, that showed he was enthralled by her. Oh, yeah. And, like, he already very much was not just into her, but trusting her. And and so I liked that because I thought that is such a personal thing. I mean, I think even, like, to... And I'm going to use Andrew Garfield Spider-Man as an example just because I think he's maybe one of the better examples of it. It is a personal choice to tell somebody who you are. And I know, like, his whole thing, he told Gwen, that came out, obviously, at the end of the day, that hurt him. He lost Gwen because of being Spider-Man. The only reason she was following him was because it was Peter, and that was the man she loved, and she was going to help him because she was top-tier girl power (laughs) and loved her, and she was doing what she thought was right because she loved him. At the end of the day, that's the reason he didn't want her to know, though. He didn't want her hurt. So I think, you know, seeing Matt be able to trust her in that instant and and just be okay, I, I thought was a, a really good moment. And it helped, I think, really, you know, lay that flooring for what we were going to get 10 minutes later in the episode. Well, too, and you brought up something when you were mentioning Gwen and how she was vulnerable because of Peter. Jen's not vulnerable. No. She's someone that Matt can tell, and if that does blow back on her, Jen can take care of herself. Well, and on top of that, Jen isn't hiding her identity, which is something we, it was almost the contrast during this entire episode was that, you know, multiple people made the comment to her, well, you're, you're not keeping your other self a secret. Yeah. And so I think that was the other thing. I mean, if they, they already tried to go after Jen. She just turned into She-Hulk and threw him over her you know, and beat their butts. Like, at the end of the day, she, everybody knows who she is. She's not afraid of that. And so to your point, she's, you know, able to handle her own, but also people are much less likely to go after her because they know she's much, or can, you know, handle her own a lot easier than just like Gwen. (laughs) Yeah. I also, there was something that I wanted to bring up that was specific to that kind of conversation as we're kind of wrapping up with Matt, that conversation about what is happening with his show. Because he makes a comment, and I don't know how you're going to react to this, Kate, because you haven't seen the show, but he makes a comment about how he has his own practice. Yeah. Which is interesting because it tells you nothing. Like, I thought it was so interesting because I was trying to read into it. You know, at the beginning of of Daredevil in season one, and, you know, this this is going to be spoilers for anyone who hasn't, watch the show it's it's not major but it kind of is in terms of his relationships at the beginning of the show he has a practice with his best friend from law school his roommate foggy and then throughout the show they go through a very turbulent they have some turbulence in their relationship mainly due to the friction around Matt being daredevil that at the end of the show and literally like the last episode of season three before it got canceled they talked about reopening their firm with Karen, who's the other, the woman who Matt kind of has a relationship with, sort of, 
together. So I was like, because that show almost comes full circle in terms of his relationship with Foggy and their practice, you almost have no idea whether the ramifications of that show have anything to do with this. Like, it does not give you any clues, but I clocked it because I was like, are they trying to give us a clue or are they just trying to make us mad because I can't really tell? Uh, From my thoughts as somebody who didn't see the show... I didn't feel like there was a clue, but I did feel like I was trying to listen to see if there was going to be a reference. To me, it almost just seemed like a fact. Yeah. Like, being like, well, Captain America had the super soldier serum. Yeah. Like, that's what it felt like to me. It didn't feel like anything that was going to expose anything further for us to know about the character other than to know his background for somebody who maybe doesn't know him as well. That's what it felt like. So... Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where this goes. I hope that all the rumors of She-Hulk possibly being now in Daredevil Born Again are going to be a thing now. Because if you establish this and they make it very clear that there's a connection. And she even at one point literally asked, like, when are you going back to New York? Yeah. And, like, everything. Like, okay, so I better see Jen in New York is kind of the vibe. They have law firms in New York. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And my last thing I want to just say about this is the best part of this episode was Matt Murdock, Daredevil himself, doing the walk of shame in his Daredevil suit outside of Jen's apartment for Nikki to see. That scene, I was like, oh my god, they did not. I was dying. Also, just to say, and this is no, you know, commentary on whether it's right or wrong, that never in a million years would have happened in his show. And so I know that there are going to be people who are like, that is just unbelievable. Like, how could you do that to the character? I thought it was hilarious. I also think it goes to show that they're taking the character in a new direction. You know, the the reason, and I've talked about this, that I stopped watching Daredevil when I tried to start it a few years ago was the violence and how, like, kind of dark it is. It's It really is shocking when you're used to the MCU. It's like the MCU on, like, really dark, violent steroids, And so, like, you kind of have to almost, this is going to sound terrible, you have to almost acclimate yourself to that. But now this is Matt fitting into the tone of the MCU versus trying to, like, shoehorn the MCU into, like, Matt's tone and making that work together. Well, and I want to say to kind of that, to wrap up, you know, this section of the show is I don't follow Matt or slash Daredevil's comics. I follow some other characters. We've talked about a lot of the ones that I do follow. I don't really follow his, but I do like to understand the arguments online. I like to see both sides. And I like to understand and see. And I I will say from what I've seen post this episode, the people, and it's not just post this episode, but especially after this episode, the people who are big Daredevil comic fans have been loving it. Yeah, there's an entire run where he wears this suit where he is lighter. So that is comic accurate. It's also to the fact that, you know, he has these moments in the comics where he is this just, like, sarcastic, kind of just, like, yeah. And I don't mean, like, light as in, I don't even know who's a good, like, even Deadpool, obviously very light. Like, very, in the middle of, like, murdering people, and he's just, like, crack of jokes. But, like, Matt has these lighter moments and these sarcastic and just, they're almost dark humor moments from what I've gathered. And so the people who are actively comic fans like this take of him versus I know and I haven't yet seen too much of it but I know it's probably there people who have already not really loved She-Hulk for you know personal reasons I'm sure probably not being as happy about how they're taking Daredevil's character and I can infer that because I also knew they already weren't excited for him to make an appearance because they were assuming he was going to be taken in a different direction I didn't think they made him a joke I didn't think that they, you know, painted him in a weird light. I thought he was an extremely well-rounded character. I thought it, to your earlier point about how his show is so dark, I thought it brought some of that, like that hallway scene, even like physically by the appearance of that scene was dark. Yeah. They made it dark for a reason. And so I thought they brought elements of it, but they didn't make it gruesome. They didn't make it... This, uh, like, they, they pulled enough from his show, but enough from who he is in the comics to make a really good mix and a good character for this show. So I think it was done very well, in my opinion. Oh, totally. And I will be the first to admit, you know, when they said he was going to be on this show, I was a little nervous because I did kind of grow to like the, like, 
more brooding Matt because that's what I was kind of exposed to, you know, watching the show. Like, I never watched the Ben Affleck movie. So this, to me, Charlie Cox is Daredevil and his show is how Daredevil is, right? Like, I know some things from the comics, but... So I was a little nervous that, you know, how it was going to play out, but I honestly thought it was perfect, beat for beat, the way they did his character. So they pleasantly surprised me for sure. And I just, I really hope that we get to see more of the two of them together because that is one really, really good duo that I would love to see more of. I totally agree. But I want to bring up two little Easter eggs before we get into, I would say there's like two big topics still to to kind of tackle. The first being we had a Wolverine reference, which made me laugh my butt off. I'm getting a confused look from Taylor, so she clearly didn't get the Wolverine reference. No. Um, when Nikki is saying, okay, time to do your makeup, oh, and yes, she holds up yes, the brushes. Yeah. yeah. So I thought that was funny, especially with the timing of we've obviously just got confirmation that he's coming back in Deadpool 3. So I thought, obviously, I don't know if that was planned. I'm sure there it very much was. There seems to be a lot of that going on with this show, that as it's coming out, there seems to be a lot of alignment yeah. um, with certain outside uh, announcements. But my other thing is that the little, you know, Red Hulk reference just sprinkled in there, and I just was sitting there, and I was like, oh my god. <laughs> my big call-out was Matt's bomb that he dropped about the repeal of the Sokovia Accords. Well, I was going to get there, but I was doing Easter eggs first. That's not really an Easter egg. That was like a slap in the face, and now it needs to get talked about. That was big. That was really, really big. And my first thought was, okay, cool. My second thought was, then what the heck is the DODC doing? And my third thought was just blank because I was like, what is the DODC doing? Like, I'm so confused. So I'm really glad you thought logically because (laughs) my first thought was, so us team cappers were right. Yeah, true. (laughs) Is what went through my head. I was like, hmm, take that team Iron Man because clearly they were not right to be signing the accords if they were repealed. So yeah, take that. Anyway, I want to go down your logical route. Yeah, but let's do that. Yeah. Well, I had to say it because, you know, that I did just write that entire newsletter about who was right. And I did say, as far as the Accords, Team Cat was right. And that was objectively speaking. So I just have to say, you know, get the newsletter, sign up for our newsletter because... There are some gems in there. Yeah, clearly I'm like, I don't know, signing prophecies at this point. Clairvoyant? Yeah, I don't know. But the logical route. Now I am more intrigued. And I think that was the DODC at the end, which I know we'll get to. I'm pretty sure it was, yeah. So I am also intrigued by now their actions because I think, and I'll bring in Miss Marvel a lot for this, we talked heavily about that and we even brought up the Accords at one point because we assumed that what they were doing was because of the Accords. We even asked if the Abomination was like grandfathered into them, which we were like, that doesn't quite make sense considering his crime was like almost 10 years before. But regardless, we even brought it up for the predictions episode for She-Hulk. So we very heavily assumed that the DODC was pretty much made to take care of people who weren't going against the Accords, but they were repealed. So now, and because we don't have full confirmation with where She-Hulk falls in the timeline, that completely opens up doors to me. And now I'm like, okay, what are they doing? And more importantly, who do they report to? Because they're government. Yeah. So I could actually see them reporting to, and I know we talked about this rumor last week, a General Ross potentially now recast into Harrison Ford. And now that's a rumor, so, you know, whatever. But what I think the rumor does show is that they are not opposed to recasting the role which means Red Hulk is on the table. And with today's Easter egg, I think it's very much on the table. So knowing that, you know, they are hinting at a Red Hulk coming down the road, regardless of, you know, the unfortunate passing of the actor, it could very well be a General Ross who, as we know, has no love lost for the Avengers. Yeah. And, you know, I would not put it past him to, even though the Accords are no longer on the books, to be the one who's trying to uphold a law that he thought was right. Which I don't disagree with at all. I just, and this is me thinking of it from my point of view, 100%. Like, this is just personal thoughts. One, that's obviously very wrong. And two, what we've seen of the DODC, especially in Miss Marvel, is not okay. No. Like, they clearly are unhinged. 
and have people acting in the department that are unhinged. I mean, literally, like, I don't know if he was a director or what, but the guy, <laughs> this is terrible. I don't remember any of their names, but the guy who was like fired the woman on the phone because he was like, dude, what are you doing? Like our, it, you can't, like our image looks so bad if you go after this child at a high school. Yeah. And obviously she goes through with it and she gets fired, whatever. But regardless, you're seeing these people are clearly like there's enough of them unhinged. They're dirty is uh, I guess the best way to put it. You can see that. I mean, look at how they even played with, in no way home and how they were manipulative and granted i know we all try to do things to get people to talk but the way that they went about it especially ned in that interview oh i was thinking of aunt may when they pretty much were saying she could go to jail for negligence i was just thinking because ned's a poor kid like you know may is an adult and what they did to her was clearly wrong but like ned is a 16 17 year old well i guess at that point he would have been 17 because they were seniors he's a 17 year old kid like you're treating him like he's like some i don't know mass murderer or something like he didn't do anything well yeah and and so it does to your point bring up the question of what are they operating on yeah what are they operating based off of because we had assumed it was the accords if they are gone which as they should i don't really know how they can be doing what they're doing like think and i i'm gonna continue staying on the narrative of miss marvel because i think we've seen them the most in miss marvel but they were tracking her. I mean, there were, we talked intensively even about how they knew who they were, or at least semi the power that they saw, where it could have come from. So they were tracking a specific ethnicity. Like, they kept tabs on all of this. So I'm a little unsure. Not to mention, you know, we saw in No Way Home, and now this may have been before the repeal, I don't know. They went into one of the most famous companies in the MCU, Stark Industries, yeah, and they took technology. Now, that's not some rogue government organization that's operating under the radar. Because that was literally on the news. Yeah, exactly. And like I said, Tony, I mean, in that time, that was not long after his death. So there's all this, this spotlight, I'm sure, on him and a lot of sensitivities around that. And, you know, they have to, you know, have some sort of backing by someone who's powerful because, like I said, they're not exactly hiding. Well, that's, yeah. And so they don't sit right with me. And then the fact that they were there as soon as, and let's just get into it, Jen obviously hulks out, but she like hulks out as in like- She had a Bruce moment. Yeah. Yeah. And they were there immediately and that didn't sit right with me because to me that meant that they were tipped off from the get-go to be there. Oh, I was going to say that they basically have eyes on her all the time. Oh, see, I was, I went down more of the route of- they were t- being tipped off. I like I like that, though, because I could see the leader or just in general, the intelligentsia, you know, doing that because they're clearly I mean, let's just talk about what they did. You know, we were what we were positing last week. Like, why would he steal the things on her phone? Do they want to go after Bruce? Do they want to go after her clients? Like all of those things. No, they wanted to discredit her. They wanted to take her privacy. I mean, they literally released essentially a sex tape that was taken without her consent. Like, that is one of the worst things you can do, but it's especially aimed at women, right? So not only did they discredit her as a professional, but they discredited her in one of the worst ways that you can do that to a woman publicly. And so that just struck me immediately. I was like, oh my god, that was a lot. Well, for me, this was another moment in which I felt like Marvel pulled the gloves off. Yeah. Because, and that's been this the narrative of this show, and we've talked extensively, especially during certain episodes when it's been very obvious the binary between a man who's a superhero and a woman who's a superhero. And as obviously two female fans, we have just as much of a conversation into this and, and feel the need to share that conversation since it's not always, I mean, I'm going to be honest, like I've been on Twitter today. And can I tell you the majority of it's been about Daredevil coming onto the show? I haven't seen very little about what happened at the end of this show. And listen, to each their own. But that says something to me. That the conversation isn't there, so we're going to have it here. And in all honesty, if that had happened to a man, that would have been a very different narrative. He would have been getting pats on the back for betting whoever the woman was. Well, exactly. And they went for the one thing that could literally rip your career to shreds. Because listen, 
a lot can, you can do a lot of things in your life on the DL and it get exposed and it can be bad. You can say one wrong thing in one wrong context and it can be bad. But at the end of the day, the best way to discredit someone, to tear them down from whatever pedestal they're on, or even not a pedestal, just to tear them down, is to release something so intimate and to put them, for lack of better words, and you know what, they say it, so I'm going to say it this way, and, and paint them as a slut. Mm-hmm. And that is how you tear a, a powerful woman down immediately. Because once someone starts calling them that, that keeps going. And that's the, the narrative about her. And ever and in the future, moving forward, that woman cannot continue to just move forward with her life without being painted that way. No, definitely. And I think it was so smart for them to wait for her to really hulk out. So we saw that little hint last week, right, with the guy who was part of the wrecking crew, where she kind of lost it a little bit. Not near what she did this week, but a little bit she lost control. And... You know, I think we pointed out that was tied to being attacked as a woman physically four on one by four men on one woman. That is enough to make any woman lose her mind, right? Or in a lot of cases, probably her life. Let's be real. And and that was instance one. Instance two now where she really loses it is discrediting her in a way that really only a woman can be discredited. As we've talked about, that's not the same reaction a man would get. And now she's really losing control. And I think that it's so smart that they are tying her losing control, considering what she said at the beginning of the show, where she's like, do you have any idea the misogyny I deal with or anything that I deal with on a daily basis? I know how to keep myself control. But it's those moments of just true, true, I don't even know. how. It's like misogyny on steroids. Like, I don't know how else to explain it. Well, it's the level it was. Yeah. Because at the end of the day... And, you know, we talked about it, and as you just mentioned, we talked about it when she had that conversation with Bruce, how she talks about, you know, we I deal with this all the time. Like, I'm used to just putting everything down because I'm used to people writing me off because I'm a woman. And we can relate to that. We talked about how we can relate to that. But this was a different level yeah. of tearing her down for being a woman. I mean, I don't even think, and you have to obviously consider she's a Hulk, but I don't think she reacted wrong, in my opinion, because for any of our female listeners, imagine that happening to you. I mean, you're in front of all your colleagues, you're in front of your family, and you're on stage accepting an award in front of people who may, might only know you for name, but are recognizing you for things that you've done in your field. And these people just one, literally illegally was taping you. You had no idea this was happening. And then they're broadcasting it in front of these people. I mean, one, the invasion of privacy itself, just of like that happening. I know there are plenty of women out there, especially in the age that we live in, in which, you know, someone sends something to someone and it gets exposed. I, I understand that it's a thing. I mean, as a young woman, it's not like I haven't heard of it. You know, it's it's not unheard of. And it being something you can't control. And that is what happened to Jen. Yeah. On a scale that just like, I don't, I, I, like, I'm so angry even talking about it because I was so angry when it happened. Like, I physically had to put my phone down and walk away for a second because I was just like, how? I, I don't even have the words for it. But like, just to think about the fact that they did that to her in the way they did it, because that's a personal attack. Yeah. That's not like oh, you know, Iron Man's house getting blown up. Okay, that's personal, but he also gave his address away, so we're going to run out, run that part out. <laughs> but, like, yeah, that's personal. But at the end of the day, that didn't attack his reputation. That tore a building down. Yeah. It tore a building down. This t- went after her on such a personal level that we've never seen before done in the MCU. No, and what I thought was also really interesting is the the lead-up to it. You know, the announcer with his little barbs, right? With the way he was talking about each of the women Mm -hmm. and all of that stuff. The way he was describing their accomplishments and minimizing them. The way, you know, even the way Mallory accepted her award was brilliant. Yes. Absolutely fantastic. So I was like, already they were hitting these beats. And then that happened. And I was like, oh, no, they're not just like telling you. They're going to show you. You know, I'm not saying this happens to every woman because, oh my God, that'd be awful. But like, 
they're showing you what can happen and what does happen to some women when someone has decided they want to, you know, destroy them in some way or another, whether that be professionally, personally, both in this case, you know, that was just, I mean, I was not expecting it to go there. No, I I was, I mean, I thought it was bad enough when they were showing that she had work files, right? Because that's so confidential. She's a lawyer. That's like problem number one in the way her boss was there. And I was like, oh man. And then the sex tape came up and I was like, oh my God. Yeah. Well, because I also, as the files are coming up, there was, you know, things that I was picking out. I mean, like, I obviously saw Cap, and at first I was like, why is Cap there? And then I was like, oh, because she had to obviously have the photo on her phone in order to have him and his butt as his, <laughs> as her lock screen. So I was like, oh, okay. But at first my brain was like, why is Cap there? Like, what is what is this an Easter egg for? Like, I'm so confused. But then to your point, as soon as the video came up, I was just, because I was like, okay, this is bad. But then I was like, oh, no, this is, like, bad. Yeah. Like, this is this is horrendous. Like, I don't even know. I wish I could have, like, it's like a dumpster fire that someone, like, is driving down the road with and then crashes the car into a building and then the whole building falls down. Like, that is essentially what it was. Oh, I was gonna say it was a dumpster fire that also got nuked. I mean, that works too. But, like, and speaking of nuking, just a small offshoot, the September newsletter, I do talk about (laughs) (laughs) what happens if Iron Man didn't stop the nuke. Anyway, sign up for the newsletter. Regardless, I saw my moment. (laughs) I... (laughs) I was floored. I, like, don't have true um, like I said I'm so angry I don't have true words about it what really also makes me angry is of course they hid their stupid little faces and I was like of course you do because you are so threatened by this woman who has no problem hiding who she really is for society and being out and open about being she-hulk and everything else about her life And she's okay with that. And you can't show your face. That doesn't surprise me. No, it was cowardly and it was pretty much on par. Yeah. That's why so many of those comments weren't surprising when they showed those comments. And what was that, episode three? You know, how many of those cowards sit behind a screen and a username and will say whatever they want? It's the same idea, except instead of a screen, they're just using a physical mask. Yeah. No, I agree. But now this this stems even further into... Who the heck are these people? Because at the end of the day, these are still henchmen of some sort. Yeah. They're still working for a bigger cause. So I'm still down to think the leader is behind all of this, but I am very intrigued now about the trickle-down process because we can have the leader up at the top. That's of this pyramid. I'm happy with that, but I'm intrigued by who, like, how was this going with Josh? How, like, Obviously, he was, like, implanted early enough that he could be at that wedding. Like, he wasn't just there. So, how, like, how did he get involved in this? Who are these people getting pulled into this? How are they being put out on assignment? Like, how far do the tendrils go? Like, that is what's running through my head. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, and I also keep wondering, the leader going after her blood, that makes sense, right? Yeah. But this is personal. Why would he discredit her? Like, who, I want to understand, like, Who did she, I'm trying to think, who did she upset, whether it be in the courtroom or who did she reject on a date or something like that, who would like want to go after her so personally. And like, maybe it's as simple as like the intelligentsia, you know, maybe they work for the leader, but maybe some of those guys go out for hire, you know, like maybe they're unrelated. I don't know. I just, I cannot wrap my head around What entity would want to destroy her so personally, to your point, or so intimately that they would do something like this? Like, her blood physically trying to kill her? I don't want to say I get it, but, like, logically that makes sense. That those are the stakes of a superhero movie or a show, either way. Not putting a sex tape out there, like, that's insane. Well, that's why, in my opinion, going off of what you just were saying, I'm starting to wonder... To your point, you know, there's, there might be members out for hire, but I'm starting to wonder if it was more of a, you scratch my back, I scratch yours. And the leader himself, you know, maybe he paid to get the blood and maybe he's still that person, but he, he's that underlying storyline again. Yeah. Versus, you know, and, and I think maybe we might not ever get that confirmation in this show. I don't think we will. I think it'll be an Easter egg at the very end. Yeah, and we'll get more of it by New World Order. Yeah. But I'm thinking Intelligentsia themselves is their own entity now. 
and I'm starting to, instead of them being fully connected, like I'm okay with the pyramid idea, but I'm also starting to think we have two different storylines. And I didn't think I, and I'm going to backtrack on kind of what I had just said prior to your last statement, just because you kind of opened that door for me as you were talking that they wanted to help, like maybe they were, the leader gave them enough money to do X, Y, Z, or gave them the means to do what they needed to do. But I think this was just, at the, if we want to boil this down, I think Jen's main villain is quite literally misogynists. Ooh, you think this whole show is a metaphor? Yeah, and I think at the end of the day, intelligentsia, I'm not saying necessarily as a whole group, but I think a lot of it, boils down i mean how many times especially when they came they first came up did we talk about there are places like that on our internet talking about not just the characters but the actresses and i say actresses because it's mainly the actresses in gruesome and disgusting ways like we brought that up and we said this is not something we don't see yeah or we don't see especially i would say more screenshots it's not like i'm stumbling into these forums but we see people sharing, like, what the heck is this kind of stuff? I almost wonder if this is, like, the big wrapping up of the Christmas present. We've been getting the hints the whole time. And now, at the end of the day, her big villain is just people who hate her for being, like I said earlier, an outed superhero who's a woman who, I mean, people were calling her a copycat of Bruce. People, because, you know, we see Bruce first, right? So I, I'm almost starting to wonder if that's what intelligentsia is to be, is that her villain is just the people who look at her and diminish her because she is a woman. I think that has a lot of merit. I actually really like that. I think this show's smart enough to pull that off, too. You know, and I don't want to say any of the shows are dumb. That's not really what I'm trying to imply. But, like, some of the shows are so focused on being in the MCU and getting you from point A to point B or character develop or whatever. But I think this show from the first episode has not been afraid of larger conversation and being kind of meta in that sense. So I could totally see it. One other kind of theory that you sparked in me that I kind of want to put out there is the idea that, you know, maybe it's not the leader at the head of the intelligentsia. We did say last episode, he's a member. So maybe the way that the intelligentsia works is as a member, you can enlist other members for help with things, right? So maybe it was, okay, cool, I need you to help me get this blood, there we go, we're good. And then someone else is like, all right, great, but I want to destroy her. So if we do this, then, you know, to get your blood, because Josh did both of those things, right? That was our assumption. So, you know, maybe it's like, hey, we both kind of have a common goal. Maybe we can get this one guy to go in there and go two for one because you failed the first time, right? Yeah. And so now we can get this one guy to go in there, discredit her publicly, and also get her blood. And there we go. Yep. Both problems are solved. And maybe that's what it is, like a gross man problem-solving group where they kind of hire each other out to do jobs based on their specialty. And it's disgusting. Yeah. No. And I think that's just as as full of merit. And so I think where this takes us is... What is the outcome? Obviously, she's going to go after them. Obviously, we're going to get some answers as far as this. But it's more so, I mean, this is the first time I think people are going to look at Jen and see her as a Hulk. Yeah. Like, truly see her as a Hulk and as somebody who can lose it. And I hate that because she was so graceful for so long. But I understand. Like, I I fully understand her reaction. And and if I was a Hulk, I would... I mean, I don't even need to have been a Hulk to lose it the way she lost it, if that had happened to me. But, like, to kind of have the gene in your body that if you're angry enough, you're obviously gonna, like, explode. <laughs> but I think it's gonna be interesting because I don't even think the sex tape's the problem right now. I think... It's her losing it and her hulking out like fully. Yeah. Well, I wrote in my notes that what that accomplished, or this is the gist of my notes, was that it accomplished isolating her for the first time, right? You know, we see Bruce live on his own because he's so afraid to be around other people. That's how Natasha finds him. Not how she finds him, but that's the way he is when she finds him. Yeah. Hiding out. Because he doesn't want to lose control. Exactly. And Jen never had that. She never had the isolation. She was accepted from the get-go. I think part of that could be because of Bruce kind of paving the way. Not to say that her success is a result of his, because that's literally the worst. But, like, you know, I think the world had kind of acclimated to the idea of a Hulk. Even her family. Her dad was like, you're not the first Hulk we've had to deal with. 
So she never had to go through, and because she's also able to keep control because of her experiences as a woman. Yes. You know, she does not have to go through that isolation period that Bruce does for 15 years. She kind of skips to the end, right? And for the first time, she's having to experience those things. And I think that was accomplished today. So whether that was the goal in the end, maybe it is. Maybe Josh didn't get the blood. Maybe this was just a step on the road to get it, right? If that's the larger goal is to get the blood and he didn't get it that night that they slept together, maybe they've decided we need to isolate her. We need to make her afraid of being She-Hulk. We need to make her vulnerable in that way in order to get the blood from her. I could also see that playing out. You know, maybe it's not that they were two separate successes for Josh on the same night, if you will, but that this was just one step in a larger master plan. Yeah, I... My only thing to that is I still think that his text insinuated he got the blood. I just don't know how she wouldn't have woken up. Like, I'm sorry if somebody stabs me, I'm gonna feel it. I don't know. But also, we know that the leader is, like, extremely intelligent. I wouldn't even be surprised if after 15 years of having knowledge of the Hulk and pretty much being a Hulk, he didn't come up with a way to take blood with the ne- with a type of needle that you don't feel. <laughs> but here's the thing, though. At the end, was it at the end of... No. Yes, at the end of this episode, that's when he's loading the needle, and it's empty. At the end of... not Sorry, not episode 8, episode 7. They do the flashback with Josh, right? Or was that episode 6? I don't know. You're losing me. You're just throwing episodes out there now. <laughs> sorry. At, at the end of one of the episodes, they have that shot. Where, I think it might have been 6 now, where they're loading the needle into the case. And it's a bigger needle. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes. So I guess what I'm trying to figure out is if that's implied that that's the needle, I'm sorry. I, I feel that in my sleep, right? I guess what I, I thought I, for a second, I thought it was episode seven. So I was like, if it's an empty syringe, then he clearly didn't get it. But I also still think that, you know, that scene kind of bolsters my point. I'm sorry, but somebody stabs me with that sucker. I'm going to wake up and I'm a deep sleeper, but like, I'm not going to get stabbed by a needle that big and not be like, ow, that hurt. What is happening to my body? Yeah, I guess I just have to feel like I have to assume until told otherwise that the blood was successfully taken from her. Just because that is like, if they never would have had the text thing, I would never have thought like I would have just been like, oh, he did some sus stuff with her phone. (laughs) Like, but the text to me, I mean, like blood, needle, thumbs up very much to me implies I got the blood in the needle like I guess if I'm like gonna reach for my theory I'm gonna say all right we're like on the like if that's the main goal like we're getting there you know what I mean I guess but like that's a reach it is a reach that's where you to me that's where you're reaching like I I understand your thought process until you're like this is what the text could also mean and I'm like no not really like I really just feel like that's a pretty clear like we're good mission accomplished like i guess but i also i go back to i'm sorry but who sleeps getting stabbed with a needle that big that's fair but until told otherwise i have to assume the text means they got the blood because that seems very clear listen i text my boss thumbs up all the time and it always means sounds good or i got it or like done like always something positive <laughs> and considering it had those other two emojis i'm feeling that he got the blood. I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm just, just my thought. But regardless, I think the repercussion is not going to come from the sex tape. It's going to come to how she reacted. Oh, yeah. Which part of me feels good about because I'm extremely angry about that, about the first half. So I would uh, very much prefer to see the fallout come from her own, I don't want to say controlled because they were uncontrolled, but like her own physical, she made the choice of actions versus coming from something she had no say in. So I would rather see the consequences being to the fact that she lost control and hulked out uncontrollably than what they actually put up on the screen. I think that's fair. I also think, though, it's frustrating for me, at least, in that sense that, you know, how else was she going to react? You know, other than being totally, like, frustrated. So I guess what I'm saying by that is, was that really her own something she controlled, you know, because she was put in such a bad position that, like, this was kind of the most logical, I don't want to say logical, but, like, this was the most natural reaction to have. So, like, the repercussions of that, like, I don't even know if that's really can be tied to Jen. You know what I'm saying? No, and I think that that's fair. So I think, uh, I don't know. I guess I just see it as if she could 
I, like, I would rather have a consequence to something I feel like were my actions rather than something that was completely out of my control, if that makes sense. It's like being scolded as a kid, you know? I guess. If your sibling happens to do something and you're getting yelled at for it versus you did it, what feels better? Or not, and I mean, like, it's neither's a win, but, like, at least, like, you can be like, yeah, I did that versus, like, no, I didn't, you know? I guess. I'm not convinced. I don't know. That's just how my brain is trying to justify it. I'm not convinced. Well, oh well. (laughs) I don't care. (laughs) I am just reading through my notes. There is one other thing that I want to talk about, and we don't have to talk about it for very long. I just want to point it out before we wrap up the episode, at least on my side. The little nugget about the Wakandan spear... I just want to point that out, that that is still happening. The idea that they are still going after their own, treasure is the wrong word, but their own artifacts that have been taken from them. I think that's super interesting. I also think it is not a coincidence the time that they really hint at Wakanda, considering we just got the second trailer. Tickets went on sale this week. We are just about a month out from the movie. So I just wanted to point that out as another little Easter egg to kind of the larger MCU. Yeah, and that was definitely something I'd... I mean, you couldn't not notice it because it wasn't even like a full Easter egg. It was a whole conversation. Yeah. So definitely something I, I took took to as well. And and to your point, they go af- they're go they still going after their things. Doesn't surprise me. No. For the sake of, like, obviously their vibranium, and that's a completely different thing. What is intriguing is the narrative doesn't seem to have changed, even though last we had seen, they opened their borders. And that is something I'm intrigued about, is that... And granted, I'm taking it out of a minute-long conversation, but it seems very much the way that Wakanda is still being perceived, almost, is of this lesser nation. I don't know, though. Did you catch that he studied abroad there? Yeah, but he seems too old to have studied, like, unless it was during the... I don't believe it was during that, because I'm sorry, their king was dusted. Yeah, but they had to go on, and I'm sure we'll see what that looks like. I don't know. Think about it. We have not truly been in Wakanda since that happened, since Infinity War. So we have no idea how they moved on. Like, yes, people lost people, but, like, look at how, for example, the United States and and Cap and all those people, everybody moved forward. And I'm not saying they didn't. I just, I'm, I, from what I've gathered during the blip, there wasn't a lot of studying abroad happening. There wasn't a lot of just, there's, you're saying people move forward, but when you think about Endgame, people were barely moving forward. If they were taking a step, that was all they did for five years because it was just, you know, they lost half the world. Things stopped because what do you do when you lose half of the population of the entire world? So I don't know. I guess I just have like a really hard time buying that this guy was in studying abroad during the blip just because that just feels really weird because that feels like not normal during what we saw. Well, I guess the other question is... How long a time is there between Black Panther and Infinity War? Like, not that much time, I don't think. Because Civil War leads right into Black Panther, and then not too much longer after that. Because No, it's two years between Civil War and Infinity War, so... Well, then, there, you just got to answer your own question. Oh, well, in talking about it when you said Civil War, then I rec- realized. But I'm just saying, that's really not that much time. No, but I'm saying, say he studied abroad in those two years. But that would make more sense to me than doing it during the blip. Yeah. Because, like you said, we're going to see it, but I mean, I feel like a nation who lost their king and who lost half their population just as much and the battle was physically there and, you know, with the way that Endgame painted, you know, the time during this, like, after the snap, I just feel like that feels off. Yeah. I just, I was curious because, to your point, it does open up some questions about Wakanda, which I think we're going to get answered in, like, four and a half weeks. So super pumped. I didn't want to let that go unconversated. So anything else on your side? No. Cool. We are calling it a wrap on the second to last episode of She-Hulk. I'm not going to lie. I'm very excited to see how this one ends. I think it's going to set up a lot and I think it's going to be a, you know, we're going to look back on it and think it's a really pivotal show. I think it's really refining its stride again in these last two episodes and I'm excited to see how it concludes. If you're excited to follow us as we follow it, You can follow us on your podcast platform of choice. You can subscribe there. You can also head to our blog where we have, to Katie's point earlier, extra context. If we forget names, we put them in there. 
a great place for extra resources on the blog. You can check out our merch store as well, linked below on Redbubble for anything from stickers to bucket hats. So definitely check those things out. Yeah, make sure you guys are following us on Twitter at Let's Talk MFT for everything that you want following us as far as the blogs, podcast episodes, theories, news, you name it, it's there. And as I dropped about twice during this episode, (laughs) make sure you guys are also signing up for our newsletter. You can find the link to that on our Twitter, but also on our blog, depending on which one is easier and more direct for you. So you can just go and sign up for that. Also, we are covering Werewolf by Night, so make sure you keep an eye out for that. I'm pretty sure by the time you're listening to this, it will have come out. It's a little foggy how the calendar goes, but pretty much by the time you're listening to this, you should theoretically... Yes, they will have seen it. Yeah, Yeah. and then like a day or two later, our episode will be out. Something of that nature. So, make sure you guys are watching Werewolf by Night because we will be covering it in a shortened episode just to make sure that... You know, we don't miss any Marvel content because we got to keep up with Marvel content, keep up with our content as Marvel just blew your mind. So let's talk about it.